0: And welcome to the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. We love chatting with interesting people—people with stories to tell. In each episode, we will be sharing true stories told by real people. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Larissa Lima, your host. And welcome to the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. Today, we have a guest from the other side of the sea. We're going to speak with a non-binary entrepreneur photographer that had to deal with stage 4 cancer at a very young age and understand how they dealt with it and what was learned from that situation. So, with that said, let's get cracking with Joe Allen. The clock keeps moving on Hello, hello, John. How are you today? How are you keeping? I am good. You know, it's it's cold over here,
0: but I'm hoping warmer days ahead start to come. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers and toes. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was very excited to speak with you, Joe. Let us know a little bit about yourself so we can get to you know a little bit better. Are you from Iowa originally? Yes. Born and raised
0: in Des Moines, Iowa, which is smack dab right in the middle of the United States. (laughs) Uh, Not really a popular state that everyone, you know, wants to go visit for holidays. (laughs) Weather's kind of wacky here, but yep,
1: Des Moines born and raised. (laughs) Sounds great. I would love to visit you one day. Would you have a favorite childhood memory to tell us today? I would say a lot of my
0: favorite memories come from skating, essentially becoming a skate rat or rat rink is what they call us (laughs) uh, because we're always there and we're always skating so a lot of my memories come from that I really enjoyed just dancing to the music but skating at the same time and meeting friends and doing like the little competitions that we had there's like little games that they play at the skate rink so I loved that aspect and then you could like go up to the DJ and be like hey, I have a song request. <laughs> can you play this song for yeah. me so I can skate
1: to it? <laughs> I can, of course. Those sounds amazing memories, Joe. I'm sure you had a great time growing up in Iowa. Now, just going a little before the time, you told me that when you turned 18 years old, you got some news that changed your life forever. Would you mind sharing it with us?
0: Yes, yeah, so... Uh... I think I was about five weeks into my freshman year of college, (laughs) you know, fresh out of high school, super excited to, you know, get out, explore the world, do it on my terms, have my own rules. But five weeks into my first year, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's Burkitt's lymphoma stage four. So that form of cancer was extremely aggressive and kind of on your deathbed at that point. So learning that news when I was so ready to get out there and just be on my own and just live my own life. It definitely brought me down. My form of cancer that I had required me to come in to the hospital and stay there
1: for about six days straight. Do you think that the time that you spent in the hospital made you rethink who you wanted to be in life in a way? I think it allowed me that space to recognize that I was no longer going
0: to conform to what the world wanted me to be. I had done that for so long already. And being in that bed and having that vulnerable moment of talking to my dad, I was like, I'm going to have to come out. I was not about to die and not let him know who I was or who i loved that's a essential part of my identity and the development of myself as a person so i had to just lay it out to him and say dad i want you to know like i am gay like that's plain and simple like you're going to have to know that and deal with it and you're also going to have to deal with it because what are you going to say to me when i'm on my deathbed You can't get mad at me. You can't accept it. (laughs) You cannot get mad at me, man. I'm over here dying. All right. You're going to have to accept it at this point. I have been hiding who I am because I would say losing the hair in cancer was a big part of it as well. That was really hard for me to deal with because my hair was down to my belly button. So you could, it was a decent amount of hair. And so losing that as well was really complicated because it was something that defined my womanhood. And how did you feel about it? Oh, Lord. I was not happy to lose it. I was not happy. I didn't believe my nurse either when she said that, oh, it'll fall out in a week. I was like, yeah, right. Do you see how much hair I have? That's not possible. Like, <laughs> like, how does that just fall out? It's by piece, start to fall out. But when I had cancer, I was actually almost more concerned about not
1: having hair than making it through cancer, which is shocking. That's a very interesting point that you mentioned, Joe. I believe that's one of the biggest concerns of a lot of people that get diagnosed, maybe because hair is a big part of our personality, or you might think that everybody's going to look at you and they're going to know they're sick. And that's totally fine to feel like that, you know? Don't judge yourself to be like that. The most important thing that you're alive and you're fighting for a life. Yeah, I think that's also because it's, it's our appearance.
0: So losing this piece of yourself that almost kind of tells the world who you are because of the upbringing we have and this, you know, societal norms, I think that for me, it really was the end all. Like, it was like, wow, this... One, like you said, people are going to know I'm sick. People are going to look at me and think something's wrong with me. People are going to misgender me and think that I'm someone that I'm not. And I remember being in my hospital bed with my dad and being so upset about, you know, this the aspect of me losing my hair. And I remember him kind of sitting down and have this discussion of me, with me saying, you know what, I'd rather have you alive with no hair than in a casket with all of your hair.
1: Oh my God. And
0: that is one line that I have always remembered. And I think losing my hair pushed me to be outside of my comfort zone. And, you know, I just hit five years cancer-free uh, February 8th. And I was like, all right, we're shaving off all the hair again as an ode. To, That's great. Yeah, as an, <laughs> as an ode to where I was at five years ago. I wanted to do that because I wanted to do it on my own terms. I wanted to cut my hair because I wanted to do it, not because cancer yeah. said you have to do it. So doing that was, it was emotional to be able to cut off the ponytail part because I grew it out to the point that I could hopefully donate some of it. And then I started buzzing it and I go, that's a great Anyone else want to <laughs> join? Because I had a little together for it. And so I asked my friends, you know, I was kind of committed to doing it all on my own, but I was like, you know what? I want them to be a part of it. So I had like four or five friends come up and shaving off my hair for me. And it was a lot of fun. But then I also had a friend that came up that was, you know, they were there with me when I had cancer. They slept with me in my hospital bed. We spent a lot of time together and he came up shaving my hair and I just hear him. (laughs) <laughs> i was like oh i haven't cried made up- me cry i haven't cried up until this point and now all of a sudden you're sniffling and that yeah. got me because he was just like the last time i saw you like this i didn't know if you were gonna make it i just started sniffling too and i was like all right you got me i wasn't expecting <laughs> to cry but you got me there so it was, Here we go but it was a beautiful experience to be able to do it when I wanted to do it. And how did you feel about it? Feel empowered by it as well, because before with my bald head, I would say that I felt very ugly. I felt like I just looked sick. Looking into the mirror today with a shaved head and seeing myself, you know, I still sometimes get that little reminder of where I was five years ago, looking at myself in the mirror with no hair and just thinking, wow, I'm I'm hideous. I'm not beautiful. I'm not woman. I'm not this. I'm not that. And now I can look at myself in the mirror and say, Joe, you look good. Uh Hello. Yeah. I didn't think that I would be comfortable with my head being shaved again, but I think it's almost made me embrace my feminine side more because I do present more masculine. I can determine on my own what kind of energy I want to get off. I can be masculine. I can be feminine. I can be anything in between that and I like that kind of versatility that my shaved head gives me now so you know
1: it's cold outside I won't lie about that the back of my neck gets (laughs) cold pretty quick but I I love the shaved head and um, during your journey I saw that you recorded a few videos as well for YouTube in one of the videos at one part that I got very very emotional and uh, if you don't mind I'd like to to share here just for a few seconds
2: cancer can't stop me that's the thing they want you to think that it can not the people the cancer I mean, it's like the bad guy in the movie, right? They want you to think you're worthless. And that you can't beat it. You're not strong enough. But I'm strong enough. I know I am. When I got diagnosed with cancer, it wasn't just me. My sister got it. My dad got it. My stepmom got it. My brother got it. My grandparents got it. My whole family got it. They all got cancer. My best friends got it. Anyone who is in contact with me and cares about me has cancer. Because cancer isn't a one person thing, cancer is a battle that affects everyone.
1: I got very, very emotional when I watched it. And uh, to be honest, I get emotional again every time I rewatch it. I just love your attitude in the video, and was very, very inspiring. And you also said something very interesting in there. That wasn't just you that got cancer, but was your entire family with you. How did you feel about it? Oh yeah, even when I rewatched that, it definitely. We watched it for the first time
0: in about five years. And I found it interesting how I was almost more concerned about how it affected others rather than how it affected me. And I think it was kind of almost like this guilt, not just me going through it, like everyone else has to go through it. I had to rely on others to help me get through it. And I think that was hard because I don't like asking for help, whether that's like financially, physically... I don't like asking for help. I don't think a lot of people do like asking for help. So I think that was hard for me. And then it was just hard for me to go through it, but then also see how it impacted others, how their lives had to change or their schedules had to change because of me. So I think in that sense, I felt guilty even though there was no reason for me to feel that way.
1: And after everything that you went through, what would you say was the most important thing that you've learned in life? Well, I know that when I went away to college that I was kind of just excited to get
0: away from my family. So I think one of the things I've learned is to put effort and put work into the relationships that you have. Because when I was down at my lowest point, there were people that were there for me. But I also think that, The Probably the most important takeaway I had was to embrace who you are. We only have one life outside of also the fact that like hair is hair. It's going to grow back. Yep. It did grow back. (laughs) Yeah, it did. And you shaved it again. (laughs) Yep. And I shaved it again. It might just be a ritual every five years. I might wait 10 years for the next one. Like when I hit my 15, just because
1: I don't know, I just want to grow it out. I might want to grow it out long again, just for fun. We'll see. <laughs> oh, that's so inspiring, Joe. And how's your life going now? I see you have your own photography company. I just love your pictures. Very professional. And, yes. lads, if you need a, a very good photographer from the middle of the USA, We have the best one here. (laughs) Right here. (laughs) Did you always like photography? Yeah, I, I
0: got into photography about my junior year of high school. I took a photography class. And once I got into the camera world and learning more about photography, I was like, all right, I want my own camera. And that's all that I would be asking for for Christmas is I want a camera. And they're not cheap. So, no, I had to wait. (laughs) Yeah, I had to wait a while to get one. But, you know, my cancer journey is actually part of kind of my story with Joe Visuals because before I was just shooting, you know, you're shooting whoever, you're shooting whatever, but you're doing it almost for likes. You know, I kind of redirected my photography into, hey, I am an LGBTQIA and BIPOC focused organization. Meaning, basically, I want to work with marginalized communities to make them feel supported and empowered and validated, and so that's kind of you know how I wrapped my personal experience back into my purpose and my vision for my photography.
1: That's very nice, Joe. That's a beautiful reason to be starting a business, and I wish you the best. Look with Joe's visuals. Uh, just one final question now before we wrap it up. Um, as you know. The sponsor of this podcast is Clockbox, a digital time capsule to be shared with future generations. So with that said, let's just imagine that the day has come that you must leave this earth. What would you put into a time capsule for those you left behind, Joe? What would you put into your Clockbox? That's a great
0: question. I mean, I think pulling up those videos you know that i posted on youtube about my cancer journey is definitely something that i would put in there because it is so raw and and vulnerable and i think also speaks to my character and who i am as an individual but outside of that i think i would include like all of my photography that i've done over the years that's because yeah. that way they're able to see things that I may have never shared or never posted because I am the worst about getting out the photos I've taken. Like I have <laughs> probably thousands of photos I've taken, but have never put out into the world. But also in a way they could take those photos, use it like my art could continue to live on despite the fact that I'm no longer living being able to upload it in a space where they could take that and maybe even continue to push my legacy further as an artist, I think would be awesome. So I would say, yeah, adding in, you know, like videos and just videos of my cancer journey, but also just like me being Joe, me being the goofy comedian, trying to make everyone laugh so that it can show off my personality to others and whoever else may exist down our family line, whether that's in my family or, you know, whether that's my sister having a family. That way they can show, like, you know, this is what your your aunt was like. Or, I don't know, there's not a in-between mm. word for aunt or uncle, <laughs> I guess. Like, this is what your relative was like. <laughs> but yeah, I think it would be really cool to be able to have my art continue to live on and exist in that space, but also have the personality of Joe live on. And that would be so cool to even just add it up from like the old VHS tapes (laughs) that my dad took on a camcorder up until being however many years old and seeing that development as, you know, an individual. I think it tells a lot more about our story when you can see these things, hear these things that they said, rather than just, oh yeah, your relative did this and accomplished this. Like, I want to know about them, their personality, who they were, who they are.
1: So, yeah, I think that's what I would add. That's beautiful. It's a way de- for you to keep memories alive. So it's, a, it's a very nice. And I loved your answer. It's a, definitely something that I would do myself as well. I just want to thank you so much you, for being part of this podcast. You have a beautiful soul. I love it uh, going through your, like your photographies. It's insane. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm actually going to put a link. In the podcast. So if people want to to check it out, Joe's videos, uh, they definitely can. So, And I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you so much for being the Stars for Tomorrow podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you again for reaching out about
0: this. I loved every moment of it and being able to open up and share with you and anyone else who listens to this. So thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Stories for Tomorrow. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.